With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. But it's the same us. Welcome to Finsider Radio. I am Jake Mendel, and that must mean Josh House is on the other line to complete the Jake and Josh show. Joshua, Happy New Year, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Um, I know we'll jump right off of it. If you're listening to this, please subscribe, leave us a rating, whether it's Apple, Spotify. Without you guys, there's no us. So um, I'm doing good, man. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to our listeners. And, you know, this is the biggest show that we've had. You know, this is the biggest game that we got a chance to talk about. So uh, I'm excited, and I'm, I'm ready to talk Dolphins-Bills. Who would have thought when we got together for a matchup between the New England Patriots and Miami Dolphins in Week 1 that we'd be sitting here Week 17 talking about a potential playoff matchup, strike that, a potential opportunity at the fifth seed. You know, that that is something, you know, obviously you want to win your division, but but for the Dolphins to have such a quick turnaround, uh, it's just been a blast, Josh. This has been so much fun this entire year, and, and I think I want to start with a quick hitter for you real quick. What do you think Miami's New Year's resolutions would be? As we're sitting here, we're recording this, uh, my Twitter feed is blowing up about Devonta Smith and, and Najee Harris. So, I mean, let, let me hear, what is your New Year's resolution for the Miami Dolphins? I mean, that that's it right there. I mean, that that is it. They got to get playmakers. And, you know, whether you want Shan Gailey to be the Dolphins offense coordinator moving forward, we keep hearing, you know, he's not going to talk about later. You know, he's not going to talk about 2021, but I think it has to start with the offensive side of the football, and that's getting playmakers. And, I mean, you mentioned to him right there, Devontae Smith and, and Najee Harris, what they could do to this offense, and they already have familiarity with Tua. So, I mean, that, that's what I was going to say before you even gave me that, that easy layup. But um, I, and now that I probably took your answer, what, what about you, man? What is the Dolphins' New Year's resolution for you? I think it's just a stay on course. I think the development we've seen in two years is, in a sense, and, and I don't want to jump in like too far in the show, but but I, I think what's been happening for the Miami Dolphins, uh, in a sense, has been overlooked a little bit uh, for the fact that this, this team shouldn't be fighting for the playoffs. I mean, if Tua Tagovailoa has been out there for the Dolphins, I don't think it was the idea that this team would be 6-2 and two with him as a starter. I know quarterback wins isn't really a a big-time stat or anything like that, but 
But it's just to stay the course. Don't get too antsy with, with anything this team tries to do, whether it's a, a big con- YOLO contract like a Mike Wallace or anything, or or jumping up to three to take Deion Jordan. I mean, th- this group has shown us there's a plan in place, and, and they've done such an incredible job of following it. But, Josh, these plans, I mean... They get derailed all the time, and we heard this week Ryan Fitzpatrick has been placed on the COVID-19 list. Not only that, but he, in fact, tested positive, so it's not a close contact where he can be out four or five days and come back. This legitimately could be a two-week issue, a.k.a. the Dolphins could be without Ryan Fitzpatrick for the first round of the playoffs. Check that off the list and things I didn't think I'd be saying this year, but... What does that mean for this week, Josh, with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, the, the reliever, as people are already talk, calling him, being out of this game against the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, well, I think Brian Flores said it best himself, and he just feels, you know, disappointed for, for Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's never played in that playoff game. And, you know, he probably wouldn't have played in this one either if everything worked out because, let's be honest, Tua Tagovailoa is the Dolphins' starting quarterback. But what mm-hmm. this means, and at least for this Bills game, this must-win game, is that Brian Flores can't do what we've seen him do before, and that's whether it was a Denver game or whether, you know, it was last week against the Raiders. He can't go to that veteran unless he's going to go to, what, Jake Roddick? And, and no one sees that happening. So, <laughs> um, you know, this is what a lot of Dolphin fans wanted to – to see, they wanted to see Tua, you know, with all the the chips in his hand, you know, with with him having that he pushes all in, and he's got to go up there in Buffalo, and you know whether they start their guys and they play the full qu- four quarters, which we'll talk about later or not. I mean, they have to find a way to win this game, and it's going to be a gritty matchup because whether we like it or not, you know, this is an AFC East rivalry. You know, this is a bloodbath between these two teams, and um, it'll be that way wh- whatever happens. But I think the Dolphins, you know, they're going to have to adjust, and I think you know maybe it means more to this team as far as his leadership. You know, not having him on the sideline to to mm-hmm. bring everyone else up because we continue to hear you know he's that guy that gets guys fired up on the sideline so it's yet to see what you know the Dolphins will miss from him as far as you know just him being that presence and the leader on the sideline but uh, again I don't think that we were hoping to see him this week anyway because this is Tua's game and Tua's got to go out there and do what we drafted Tua to do. I gotta ask you who, who do you see stepping up as, as maybe that hype guy on the sidelines I mean I think we saw Christian Wilkins certainly be that guy I yeah. think Lynn Bowden Jr. has been one of those guys but but does anyone really stand out to you and it's okay if it doesn't I mean obviously this is such a unique situation that could be that you know uh hype man on the sidelines for this team well well we know it's not Andrew Van Ginkle am I right I mean we know he's not over the, <laughs> we know he's not the one but I mean Christian Wilkins I mean we heard when he was out of lineup just what he meant to just the entire team as far as again that leadership and and just getting guys hyped up so you said it and I'm gonna just piggyback on that I think it's Christian Wilkins and I think even if Fitzpatrick was there you know he'd still be that guy but uh, again Brian Flores you know he can't pull he can't pull two in that critical moment and it's going to be time for two to step up and uh, you know, it's it's exciting as Dolphin fans to be able to talk about this must-win game, you know, January 1st, 2021. Josh, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy our uh, two shows a week because it really gives me time to reflect and, and think about the things we talk about. And, and who knows, uh, maybe we'll even start doing more than two shows in, in 2021, but, but that's uh, yet to be seen. And, you know, the, the all week it's been a lot of conversations about, you know, how the Dolphins need Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? And, and I'm not going to say they don't. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick means so much to this team. But but just kind of the argument last week about how Fitz should be the starter, how, you know, this is so horrible for Tua's development, yada, yada, yada. And, and I have a couple points here that I've been kind of, you know, uh, ruffling through, I guess, that, that I want to run through you, if that's okay with you. Yes. I mean, this is our podcast. Let's, let's run through them together. <laughs> 
the Fitzpatrick and Tungavaloa conversation, first of all, reminded me of how when the Dolphins beat the Patriots, all of a sudden everyone was saying, the Dolphins run game. That, that's why two is six and two or, or whatever he was at the time, five and two. I mean, that run game's been carrying him. And us as fans or people who cover the team very closely are like, that running game has been pretty non-existent for, for most of the season. Now it's the fact that Fitzpatrick is the relief pitcher and they're setting it up with the tone that this has been an every week thing. Yet Tua's eight career starts, Fitzpatrick has come in twice, and the Miami Dolphins are one and one. Without him coming in, Tua is five and one, right? Again, quarterback wins and losses doesn't mean the entire universe, but I, I think we really need some perspective when we're talking about the situation the Dolphins are dealing with right here. And the second point I really have here is Tua versus Herbert, which seems to be all the conversation right now. If you want to put Joe Burrow in that conversation too, go ahead. Is looking like Luck, RG3, Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins from 2012, Josh. I mean, it's just one of these situations where it, it's been a little frustrating to see people on Twitter saying, well, it isn't too good for his development to not be out there. People learn different ways. This is a rookie quarterback who had no preseason. Josh, I want, I want you to really think about this for a second. Are you the best player in that draft when you look at Luck, RG3, Tannehill, and Wilson? is still on the team they were drafted by, right? And and that says just as much about Russell Wilson as it does about Pete Carroll and that coaching staff. I mean, year one, everyone, obviously, Andrew Luck's the GOAT. Andrew Luck's going to be that guy. But that slowly morphed. Everyone thought RG3 was going to be awesome after that first year, and that slowly morphed. And, and Tannehill, whether we want to argue one way or another, whether he was doomed by the coaching staff or just wasn't the right guy, I mean, people thought he might be the, the, the right choice. So it's just kind of... Weird, I guess, that everyone's freaking out and they take all this stuff out of context and, and people are acting like the Dolphins are, are doomed already by, by drafting Tua, which is, is such a head-scratching scenario for me. And then my third part of my stanza here, I mean, you can tell that I'm a reporter that I just want to sit here and talk and, and flesh this stuff out. Josh, back to the Russell Wilson and, and Pete Carroll thing. The fact that both of them have been together for so long really highlights how he was the best quarterback in the draft. The Dolphins could be the first team since 1999 to make the playoffs and have, have a top three pick in the NFL draft. That sounds like a good franchise to me. After screaming from the rooftops that it was unfair that the Dolphins were tanking, Brian Flores shut everyone up and ended the season with five wins. He still got his quarterback in Tua that everyone wanted them to tank for. This season, he's in the running for coach of the year. I understand that we can't blame the two, all, like put all of Tua's issues on the playmakers. I certainly understand that Tua needs to be better. But we have been so dramatic, and by we, I mean the Dolphins fan base, in terms of, oh, no, why didn't we take Justin Herbert? Or, oh, no, Tua's a bust. Oh, no, why don't we draft a quarterback? Why don't we put into perspective that the fact that the GM and the coach over the last two years have been hitting home run after home run, whether it's taking Austin Jackson at 18 or signing Zach Sealer off the Ravens practice squad. These guys know what they're doing. I just don't understand bashing the guy who the Dolphins chose to be the franchise quarterback eight starts into his professional career while everyone has praised everything else this GM and coach has done. This has been my long novella. This has been my long rant. But, Josh, it's just been a little annoying this week to see everyone. Uh, Tua shouldn't have been pulled, yada, yada. I mean, we need to trust Brian Flores and Chris Greer because so far through two seasons – 
two seasons. It's not like Adam Gase in his first season, and then, all right, we'll bring in Jay Cutler and be terrible. It's not like Joe Philbin's second season where they just literally dropped the ball. This is a team that through two years they have done everything right, and, and it's just a little annoying that we're sitting here and knocking the two guys who have the Dolphins at 10-5 and five in the second year of the rebuild. I think the biggest thing here is that the Dolphins are in a very, you know, different situation. Not many teams have that backup quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick who's gone out there, you know, with many teams and has proven that he can be a starter and play at a high level. So, uh, again, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. I think to Brian Flores being coach of the year, I mean, that's just a testament to what he's done. I mean, you've seen him make these, uh, you know, these decisions to spark the offense and one time it almost worked out and then this time it did with a miraculous play so um again I think if two was going out there and playing as well as you know a lot of us expected we probably won't be hearing a lot of this but the the national media you know they have to talk about things and as well as Justin Herbert's playing as well as Joe Burrow looked in his little bit of time even Jalen Hurts you know I saw Bleach Report tweeted out which quarterback would you rather have for the next decade <laughs> Jalen Hurts or Tua Tagovailoa are you telling me that everyone that evaluated Tua better than Jalen Hurts all of a sudden just saw Jalen Hurts as a better quarterback in those few starts that he had because of what because you're you're box score watching I mean um, you know and, and maybe it is because this fan base has you know I mean I'm I'm a huge Tua fan you know maybe it's cuz it's fan base has put two on a pedestal that these outsiders and and some of the fans are just you know what tearing every little bit of it apart I don't know what it is but um again the Dolphins are winning and they're doing it in year two with with players that on other teams won't be having success so it's Mm -hmm. a testament to what Chris Greer has done it's a testament to what Brian Flores has done and again the fact that we're talking about you know this team 10 and 5 going up to Buffalo Orchard Park January 1st, you know, this weekend to play a must-win game to get us into the playoffs in year two of a rebuild that we thought was going to take at least three years. Uh, that's exciting, man, regardless of who the quarterback is. And again, we won't have Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. It's all on Tua Tagovailoa's shoulders, but that's why you drafted him. He is that big-time player. We've seen him doing big games in college. Now we need to see him go up there. And again, it's in snow. It's in snow. We're going to talk about that, you know. Tua's never even played in snow, and, and he's got to go up there this week and do what, again, us fans believe he can do, and, and good things will come. Um, I think, unless you want to say something else, I think we should jump into an ad because uh, that was a pretty good start to this podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. I hope everyone has a pretty quiet weekend going on because I can already tell based on you know what, what I said before the week, this is going to be a little bit of a longer show. But Josh, uh, start cutting me off. We'll, we'll, we'll try to pick this thing up a little bit. Byron Jones on Good Morning Football on Thursday, and, and he actually said some pretty great things. Uh, about the defensive unit, he he added that perspective, like I said, about the trusting whatever Brian Flores and Chris Greer do, whether it's in the draft or whether it's in a game day scenario. Uh, Byron Jones had this to say, when you look at the defense, 60 to 70 percent are all new. A lot of us didn't play together last year. I think that is a credit to the front office and the coaching staff for picking the right people. This staff has done such a beautiful job of identifying who belongs where and how this team can really get going quickly, which has been a blast to see. He added that I've never been any around anyone as good as Xavier Howard. And, and and finally, he said he stands by the decisions Coach Flores makes. I mean, this team is 10-5. and five. I don't think anybody, 
uh, has really shown a, a great feel for just like game by game situations as Brian Flores so far this season and clearly his players seem the same way. 100%. I mean, it just goes to, again, the testament to Brian Flores and what he's building here. And you hate to use the word culture, but it is a different culture. You know, these mm-hmm. players are buying in. And, you know, whether it's that high-priced free agent like a Byron Jones, you know, whether it's a Zach Sealer, even if it's Clayton Fedulum. I mean, whoever it is, the <laughs> Miami Dolphins, you know, they seem to get it done and they seem to buy in. And, um, again, it's testament to what Brian Flores is doing. And who's going to sit here and question what Brian Flores is, is doing and, and what he did with the quarterback situation? Even us, you know, whether or not we agree that we should have that they should have made that decision, at the end of the day, Brian Flores did it, and we trust in what he did. And, and it worked out. Um, some injury news today that they did report. I guess they broke, you know, before that game. So we're not going to hear this was the last injury report for the day. Devontae Parker, questionable. Jakeem Grant, questionable. Solomon Kinley, questionable. And defensive end Shaq Lawson is also questionable. So, um, again, we've seen with these uh, injury reports, they can go a little bit of either way. We know that all these players practice throughout the week, but we know how big of an important factor Devontae Parker is to this offense, how bad the Dolphins desperately need that wide receiver one. And, again, what Jakeem Grant does. So, um, And we talked about Shaq Lawson last week. So we can use all of these guys this week in a must-win game against Buffalo. And, um, you know, we'll see the way it shakes up. But I think all four of those guys will likely play again in this must-win game. That's incredible after the injury Jakeem Grant had. I I think early in the week, a lot of people were saying he's already out. So the fact that he's even questionable and the fact that if we're going to use the P word, I think we've made it 20 minutes without saying playoffs, which has been kind of special in itself. But, I mean, Jakeem Grant looking like if it's not this week, it'd be the playoffs. That is great to have. Uh, Josh, everything here is pretty self-explanatory. But I do want to ask you this. Uh, Solomon Kinley has started 13 games for the Miami Dolphins. If he returns, do you put him at right guard or left guard? Obviously, he was moved to left guard when Eric Flowers went down with the injury, and clearly he's a better player at left guard. I'm not saying he's bad at right guard, but that's where he really seems to make his money. Josh, where do you place him if he's ready to go this week? That's a great question, and it's a good question to have because we know this offensive line. I mean, Michael Dieters looked pretty well playing at guard a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see Solomon Kinley back there on the right side, but I think you're right. I mean, he has played well on the left, but I think they like Eric Flowers there, and and who can blame them, really? But, uh, again, this is a, a must-win game, and a lot of people continue to ask about Preston Williams, and I don't think Preston Williams – I mean, I don't know. There's nothing concrete, but I don't think anyone should expect to see Preston Williams again this year unless, you know, the unicorn shows up in the playoffs. You know, who's to know what happens? But a lot of people keep asking, and right now Preston Williams is on injured reserve, and, you know, there's no – you know, foreseeable, he's not going to come back for the foreseeable future. Yeah, usually with something like that, there's a little bit of rumblings. You know, a couple weeks before, it isn't just one day the, the beat reporters are sitting there and, oh, you know, Preston Williams is at practice. That, that's not really how these things develop. So it's starting to look like he is going to be done for the rest of the season. And the Dolphins have one more year uh, uh, to really have Preston Williams be under that magnifying glass and, and see what he can offer to this team. Obviously, think, the talent's should- all there. I think you should buy one of those chambers that T.O. had. Remember when the Eagles made that <laughs> Super Bowl run? Let's get him one of those crazy, like, uh, you know, <laughs> Superman chambers and, and get him back for this postseason run, T.O. style. That, I would love to write stories about that. I will be the first to tell you that. Josh, let's get right into it. Dolphins-Bills preview. Buffalo is currently, as we're recording this, 5 o'clock on Friday, a two-point favorite at home. This is a spread that started at 4.5. So, Two and a half points doesn't sound like a huge swing, but in terms of the betting world, it really is. And I think that's such a huge key about the perspective of this game Whether when we start talking about resting or playing players. But on that note, the Steelers are not playing a bunch of guys, so the Browns have solid chances. Uh, basically for the Dolphins, I mean, what is it? If one of the other three teams 
there are four teams at 10 and 5. Three of them are going to make the playoffs. I believe if any of the other three lose, the Dolphins make the playoffs, correct? That is correct, yep. So Cleveland is one of those teams that it'd be nice if they lose. But, Josh, I want to worry about winning. That fifth seed feels so much better than having that six or seven. I don't know why, but just being that top-tier wildcard team seems like it, it could be special. Like I said, the Steelers are sitting a lot of guys, including Ben Roethlisberger and TJ Watt. So with that in mind, the Bills don't necessarily need to win to get the two seed, especially if Pittsburgh loses. Uh, Coach Sean McDermott has said he's going to keep things in-house in terms of who's playing and who isn't, uh, but will announce it when it benefits the team. So this is something that, you know, they could just walk out with their starters on game day. This could be something where three hours before kickoff, it, it, it's Matt Barkley starting under center for the Bills. Or it could be something where they play a half and they look at the Steelers game and say, all right, uh, Cole Beasley got hurt last week. We can't suffer any more injuries. Peace out, Dolphins. Enjoy your playoff run, that type of thing. Uh Josh, have you? what is your feeling in terms of how Buffalo is going to prepare and present this game? Because we've heard Brian Flores say he prepares for 53 guys every single week, and it's not as simple as, hey, they're starting quarterback. He knows what to expect if a backup comes in at any position, and that's, I think, what makes him so special. Yeah, and I think we talked about it a couple podcasts ago. We said that we don't know if the Bills would be playing for anything this year uh, or in Week 17 because of just you know how crazy this, mm-hmm. this year is. You can't tell me that these playoff teams would not love to sit their starters. And as it's been brought up a couple times on Twitter, you know Sean McDermott did. I think they went out their starters Week 17 of last year and they played a few mm-hmm. snaps and then he sat them the rest. So uh, again, I think that's kind of what they're going to go into this game with. I think they realize that. It's better to be healthy and in the playoffs and to really worry about the seeding because at the end of the day, let's be honest, the Buffalo Bills look like absolute juggernauts. So I don't know that they, they really care who that healthy team has to play, but um, it, it'll be exciting to see how it all works out. And you mentioned the spread, and it's been interesting because it's been up and down. I mean, some sites have actually taken the game completely off. I know mm-hmm. Bovado did that because, you know, it is such a, a little, you know, it could go either way. Again, we don't know about the starters because Sean McDermott's being very coy and uh, Again, we don't know um, two in the snow. It, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding it, but what it really comes down to is the Miami Dolphins, like you say, going up there and handling business. It doesn't matter if the Colts lose, if the Browns lose. You know, if if this team, I guess the Ravens are one of them too, right? If the if the Ravens lose, I mm-hmm. mean, I don't think any of that matters. It, it matters that the Dolphins and Brian Flores and you know the coach of the year and a defensive player, they're going to go up there and they're going to, like you said, they're going to have a 60 minute slugfest with the Buffalo Bills and I think that's a perfect transition to our three keys and the biggest thing and we talked about a little bit on the last podcast is slowing down Stefan Diggs and I mean the guy's been an absolute monster I mean we all made jokes when he got traded to the Bills but 120 receptions 1,459 yards the guy had three touchdowns last week and we remember back in week two when when Byron Jones was out Noeg Benogany got gashed. And again, this is a 20 year this was a 20-year-old rookie at the time. This was a guy mm-hmm. who, again, was going up as we're seeing against a top three, top five wide receiver in the league. So they're gonna have to figure out a way to stop him. I'm excited to see if it's Byron Jones. And you know, we heard that joke from Xavier Howard. He said, I make four or five, you know, uh, or four three wide receivers look like they're running a four or five. I mean, he's completely shut down some of the best receivers in the NFL. So do they match him up there with Stefan Diggs? So um it'll be a lot, it'll be very interesting to see the way they play this, but again, it's going to be a lot different than having Noah Igbenogany against Stefan Diggs, who, again, has been playing out of his freaking mind. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at that that game in, in Week 2, and I thought it was pretty impressive that the Dolphins held Buffalo scoreless in the third quarter, despite Josh Allen being a human torch the way he was hucking that ball around. But I, I think it's safe to say both of these teams are, are very different than they were in Week 2. Um, maybe outside the fact that Josh Allen is starting the season as he's ending it, and that's basically on fire. Um, Miami's pass defense... Uh, is currently one of the best in the leagues. I, I don't think that's much of a discussion. 
Uh, their pass defense rating is 85.3, which is the fourth best in the league. A 62.9 completion percentage is fifth best. When you look at those numbers, the one thing that stands out is if you're going to lose by allowing a completion percentage, excuse me, of 63, it's big plays. You know, Nelson Aguilar last week, right? Uh, th- those are the type of things. And, and, man, I'm so excited Byron Jones is back. We mentioned it. We, we I threw maybe a little bit of shade at him. Uh, but, I mean, this is his chance to shut everyone up. You know, it's all been it's been about Xavier Howard all year. And I'm not trying to say these two need to compete. But but Byron Jones got a pretty good contract, too. I mean, let, let, let's not, you know, cut any corners here. This guy got legitimately paid. And, and if he can shut down Stephon Diggs, if he can make that Buffalo Bills uh, defense offense excuse me uncomfortable that would be great to see hey moving on to key number two let gaskin provide the gas for the stove so Tua can cook this is josh you're gonna have to stop us at some point because i'm gonna (laughs) get way too deep with these puns (laughs) yeah i mean i've I've read everything underneath it i didn't actually read that that's that's great i love it The, the Bills have a daunted defense. Sean McDermott has done an incredible job with that uh, unit. But Gaskin, week two, he was averaging 6.5 yards per carry, but he only had seven attempts. And again, this was Jordan Howard was in the mix. They're trying to feed Matt Breida a little bit more, I think, until Gaskin really became, quote-unquote, the guy. Buffalo allows 122.9 yards per game on the ground. I should have put 123. Yell at your editor if they ever do that for you. But that's like 20th in the league, Josh. This team, you know, if we're going with what the national media thinks, the Dolphins, with their elite running game that ran all over the Patriots, they should be able to do the same thing against the Buffalo Bills. They should, and it makes me remember, you know, a couple, well, this was many years ago, but I remember Ricky Williams and the Dolphins going up there, and I don't think they won the game, but it was a snow game. And, J.H.I. And ran did all, it in 2016. And J.H.I. did it also. Yeah, Ricky Williams, J.H.I. I mean, there's always a Dolphins running back that goes up there and has a field day. And as you said, you know, Gaskin, uh, you know, he looked explosive as hell last week coming back from after being out for so long. So uh, let's let him be that gas. Let's let him be that constant that, again, if if it is a, if snow is affecting this game at all, you got to run the football. And mm-hmm. just to win this game and to go up there and to, to counter what the Buffalo Bills are defensively and to, to just overall have a good offensive game plan, like you said, you got to establish the run. And Miles Gaskin has proven now. I mean, I, it was Salvin Ahmed, you know, Miles Gaskin. We were sitting here teetering a couple weeks ago. Miles Gaskin's the best running back on this roster. I think he's going to be a nice compliment to whoever they bring in next year. Not that Ahmed cannot be, but, I mean, he's proven that he's the running back one, and he's got to go up there, and he's got to perform again on in the biggest game for the Dolphins in, in his young NFL career. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing I think a lot of people forget about is that just because a player lurks, looks a certain way through five, six, seven weeks, it doesn't mean they're not developing. It doesn't mean they're not learning. And, and Miles Gaskin has done an incredible job at just shutting me up. You know, I was the guy, he needs to make a play. Yes, he's consistent. He'll catch everything. He had one of the best catches I've ever seen diving to the turf uh, uh, last week. And 14 for 87 on the ground, 5 for 82 and two touchdowns in the air last week. Man, that is somebody who deserves all the credit. They, I'm going to walk back everything I said because if this turns into a, a consistent threat, in terms of the passing game, Gaskin is going to stick around in Miami for a very long time. You know, Everyone was giving Fitzpatrick all the credit last week, and the throw was incredible. I'm not going to discount that whatsoever to Mac Collins. But, I mean, Gaskin is the one who put them in a situation to win this game, right? I mean, with that big run on, on that, I guess it was a dump off. It was like an out route. Uh, I, I believe it was Jacecki and Hollins, I think, who had two key blocks. But, I mean, Gaskin was the guy who really ha- kept that offense moving. Josh, I want to ask you this. Um, 
Let's say Gaskin has another performance like he did last week, just maybe a couple big chunk plays, a couple touchdowns. Does that adjust Miami's confidence in terms of their running back unit entering the playoffs with Gaskin as that number one guy? Does that really, does it slide Miami's quote unquote need for a running back at all? I think it does. And I think, you know, as much as we all want that RB1, as much as we want to spend that high draft pick on a running back, I think what what we've seen this year, I mean, it should be proof that this team doesn't need that big name running back. I mean, if Miles Gaskin was healthy all year, who knows what type of numbers he would have put up. But again, it has a lot more to do with, you know, the offensive line starting to gel and just different things. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to see that running back, I think, no matter what next year. But uh, he's going to be that compliment. And I think, again, Miles Gaskin, he showed that he was explosive. You mentioned he hasn't really been that key factor in the passing game. And we saw last week, I mean, yakety yak. We've been talking about it all season. This team needed yes. more yak. And, and he produced it. And, you know, you can make a joke all you want. And I, I got a little bit, uh, our good friend Patrick that likes to do the live threads during the podcast, you know, he kind of said that I was throwing some shade at Fitzpatrick. But We've heard it from, you know, whether it's NFL films or wherever it is. Fitz did nothing special, you know, in that pass to, to Miles Gaskin. That was all Miles Gaskin. And mm-hmm. he, he needs to be that gas for the stove. I love it. Let, let's let him cook or let's let him be that gas to let Tua cook. And I think that goes right into the next one. And Tua and his offensive weapons. And that's the biggest thing heading into this game is who's it going to be? I mean, I think we're going to get a healthy Devontae Parker. And, and I say healthy. I mean, they're coming off the injury. You know, they're coming off the injury list. Right. So I won't say they're necessarily healthy, but they're going to be back to, to almost full strength and um you know to is starting to build chemistry with these guys we see him getting better you know we see him and Devonte parker a, a couple games back you know they had a, a a good game together they were hit he really started to feel where Devonte was and was just making plays with him same with gasicki so we want to see that moving forward and Lim Bowden jr i mean he was a guy that we really wanted to see break out in that raiders game because it would have been so awesome to see that revenge game but i think in order for the dolphins to win this game you know you got to develop the run we talked about how important gaskin is but they got to be able to make plays through the air because it's not going to work despite whoever the buffalo bills throw out there you cannot go up there and you know you hope chan Gailey realized that you hope they have the perfect offensive game plan in place but um it's going to be a test for this dolphins offensive weapons it's kind of interesting because I want this team to play fearless. I want them to let Tua cook. But at the same time, Josh, I mean, I mentioned at the top, there's a scenario that can play out here where where Josh Allen and the Buffalo offense and most of the Buffalo starters play the first half. They look up at that scoreboard and see Cleveland winning, and they say, all right, see you guys later. We're going to take the second half off. If they take the second half off and the Dolphins have an opportunity to win, they need to make sure this game is up for grabs because you know you think if Matt Barkley starts, I mean, they're not going to air out the ball. They're going to just burn the clock nonstop. So there's a little bit of a situation here where, hey, do you have Tua go out and compete right away? Or do you just have them continue to do what they've done? And that's keep the game close into the second half where it's all about adjustments. It's about learning on the fly. And the game's close enough where, you know, Matt Barkley force, or, you know, punts the ball twice because the offense can't move. And all of a sudden, that's all Tua needs to really, maybe even it's just kick two field goals to take the lead and the defense does the rest. There is a really interesting chess match going on here, and I'm kind of interested to see how it develops. But it's all about keeping this game close, at least in the first half. Uh, Bills led ten or seventeen to ten in the week two matchup at halftime, and I just would like them to just kind of put their guys in the right scenario. I I remember seeing highlights of last week, and uh, it was Tua kind of dumping it off and getting it to you know Adam Shaheen underneath, and and he was at the line of the scrimmage, and he'd be tackled. Or same with Durham Smythe. I mean, I want the Yak guys to get the ball. Lynn Bowden was so underused last week. I'd love to see Malice Gaskin get more opportunities. But hey, let's start to take shots with guys like. Devontae Parker, Mike Jacecki, if they're healthy, of course. I think there is a, a unique situation here, Josh, where 
you 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 can put your foot on the gas. You can come out and throw a punch at Josh Allen and the Bills. But if that backfires and somehow the Dolphins are down, let's say you know twenty one to nothing at halftime. Let's say like worst case scenario. Even if Matt Barkley plays that second half, I don't know if the Dolphins can do enough to overcome that if they're just going to run the ball and try to kill the clock. Yeah, and we've heard a lot of these things throughout Twitter. You know, they're saying it, it, the real game plan should be to go after the, the Bills' starters. If they do come out there and play some snaps, apply that pressure. You know, make him make Sean McDermott think about taking them out of the game. And, and one thing I just want to reiterate, I mean, we say, we say let Tua Cook, you know, it sounds cute and all, but if they go up there and there's snow, I mean, you're obviously not going to let Tua Cook. I mean, people take that no, a little bit too snow. literally in the sense. I mean, you're going to go up there and you're going to establish the run. So um, we can sit here and say let Tua Cook, but we're not saying go up there and, and you know, spread them out in five wide receiver and throw the ball in, in six inches of snow. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just foolish. But I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I, again, I think they got to apply the pressure early and, and make Sean McDermott think twice and then offensively. I mean, we just need to see a better game from Changeler. We need to see that offense that we continue here. You know, it's two different playbooks with Fitzpatrick. He can't do that. He needs to come out here and call, you know, his best game because he's playing the Bills. We know he has some history there, and we've heard the uncertainty surrounding what could be his next step or if this is his final game with the Dolphins. So uh, I want to see more out of Changeler in that offense. And, again, it's going to take a full four quarters regardless of whether or not they have their starters in the game. With all that said, Jake, I, I want to hear your key player is because, again, this is the biggest game. It's 2021. We got 2020 out of the way. This is the biggest game in recent memory for the Miami Dolphins, and it's just exciting. So, man, who's your key player heading in to this matchup versus the Bills? I got to go Brian Flores. He's not even a player, but I think coach this of the is year. the coach of the year. If he wants to prove he's coach of the year. I mean, everyone was so upset when Fitzpatrick came in. And, or excuse me, when Tua came in, Fitzpatrick, the team was 3-3 three and three at the time. Fitzpatrick had a solid performance. Obviously, I think it could have been a little better, but at this point, it's it's, it's pulling strings or, or whatever you might uh, think. But this this team has really gotten this far because of Brian Flores. I mean, they're out without Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, if we went with the logic that everyone was going with of, hey, let's keep Fitzpatrick in, Tua would be making his first start right now. Instead, he's making his ninth in his rookie season. And that is so key. So for Brian Flores, if Tua needs to talk, if you need to calm him down or you need to kind of give him a little tap on the helmet and say, start throwing that ball, let it fly. We know you have the accuracy to get it to your guys. If the team needs a special team spark with a fake or whatever it may be, if they need a big play on defense, this is Brian Flores' job. And he's done such an incredible job throughout the season of doing it where I, I think if he, you know, wins this game, I think it locks up coach of the year Kevin Stefanski, who is the other guy in that running right now, he lost to the Jets, Josh. He lost to the Jets. The Dolphins, they beat the Jets twice, all right? The fifth seed sounds insane for the Miami Dolphins, but is up for grabs. Flores has gotten the team this far, and I think I am so excited. This is why I kind of wanted the Bills to be at full strength throughout this entire game. I get that, yes, we want to make the playoffs, and yes, we want it to be, you know, that that path. We want to see it, but seeing Brian Flores do his best to outcoach Sean McDermott for 60 minutes and pull out all the stops and do everything he can, knowing you got a rookie quarterback, knowing you lack talent at certain positions on both sides of the ball. That would be such a fun thing to watch that Brian Flores, like this is his test. This He's been studying for this test all year and, and every practice test he has nailed. So, I mean, this is an exciting situation and that's why I believe Brian Flores is the key player because whether I, I don't, Coaches coach and players play, but I think Brian Flores could be the guy to lead this team to a victory. 
100%. And I think, again, he's coach of the year. I was going to mention Chan Gilly, but I think I already kind of went on my rant and just how important he was. So I'm going to shift focus a little bit. I'm going to go with Devontae Parker. And again, he's questionable mm-hmm. for this game. He was limited throughout the week. But Devontae Parker is that, you know, what we believe is our wide receiver one. And, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, he runs this route and that route. That just means that, you know, he's that guy that when he's in one on one coverage or he's that guy that you're a young quarterback, you know, trust in. And you just throw that ball up and he's going to go up there and make plays. And, and I think Devontae Parker in this must-win game, you know, d- despite who's across the field from, whether it's Tredavious Waite, whether it's someone else, you know, he needs to go out there and he needs to have that game that we expect him to. And when Tua does need to throw the ball, when he does need those key third and five plays, you know, when he does need that fade, you know, God forbid, you know, when they're down around the goal line, he needs to have Devontae Parker do Devontae Parker things. And again, he's being paid to be that guy. He's being paid to be the Dolphins. Uh true number one wide receiver and you want to see him go out there and make those plays so I need to see more from Chan Gailey and I want to see a Devontae Parker you know he's not going to be 100% healthy but I do think he's going to play in this game and this is what you need you need your superstar and I use that term loosely despite how you Mm -hmm. feel about him but you need to have your big play wide receiver that you're paying that money to that you've trusted in for all these years uh, you know who says you know I'm not going to miss games anymore to go out there in a must-win game and do what you're paying him to do so Devontae Parker that's my key player. You're right. Maybe not superstar, but Josh, uh, Mike Jasaki leads the team in touchdowns and yards, but but it's Devontae Parker who leads the team in receptions. And if you go listen to like our conversations about Devontae Parker, the thing that makes him stand out, uh, yes, the big plays are awesome. Yes, beating guys one, one-on-one 40 yards down the field is awesome. But he has developed into a guy who, whether it, if it's a third and five, everyone on that defense can know the ball's going to him, and they still can't stop him. Right. And I think that's really what, what Tua's offense ha- has missed. Yes, uh, we could say Fitz, or, uh, Parker and Jaseki would have both had better seasons if uh, Fitzpatrick was the starting quarterback through the whole season. But this offense can move with Parker being there for Tonga Vailoa. I think having that weapon, I mean, we saw them, you know, you mentioned the three straight runs before kicking a field goal. I mentioned they ran it twice on like a third and three with Salvan Ahmed and they both lost yards. Having Devontae Parker out there changes things because he's going to catch a slant. He's going to catch an out. He's going to catch whatever he needs to because he is a fantastic wide receiver. So I love your pick there. Josh, let's wrap it up here. Our predictions. I got to say, though, man, the fact we can go into this week 17 and have a prediction that means something, it's really cool. It's really cool. I got to tell you that because, I mean, I, I really enjoy setting up these rundowns. I really enjoy talking Dolphins with you. I enjoy thinking about it. I enjoy reading my Twitter feed and really trying to kind of decipher everything that's going on. We are a Dolphins podcast, and I'm going with the Dolphins, believe it or not. I'm having way too much fun with you, Josh. I want to do it for at least another week. I'm going to say the Dolphins pulled out 24 to 17. I could see the Bills scoring all 17 points in their first half. And maybe the Dolphins maybe even are trailing 17 to 10. I don't know, like week two. And then just kind of do enough with Tua, show a little bit of magic to, to pull it off, even if it's against backups. I like it. I'm, I'm going to say 23-10. I think we're in the same ballpark. Ooh. I think, again, Brian Flores, coach of the year, he's got his team ready to go. And, you know, Tua's going to do enough to, to pull this game out. And the Dolphins are going to be playing a meaningful game next week. And, uh, you're absolutely right, man. This season has been awesome, you know, even pre-draft, you know, just talking about everything leading mm-hmm. up to it and it just all coming to fruition. Now seeing the rebuild, you know, 10 and 5, we have all these different accolades that some of these players and coaches could be up for, and now this must-win game in Buffalo. So uh, it's exciting times, man, and, you know, this podcast is not going to slow down, but uh, I do expect the Dolphins, Brian Flores, Tutan Valo to go up there at Orchard Park this weekend and, and leave there with a W, and I guess that fifth seed locked up in the AFC playoff hunt, huh? That would certainly be special. Hey, 
Thank you guys so much for joining us throughout the season. If you haven't yet, I I'm going to encourage you one last time for the regular season to smash that subscribe button. Follow the Dolphins Rebuild with us because it's safe to say it's really been a blast. Uh, and if you're enjoying what you're listening to, leave a review. You know, that stuff helps us out so much. Leave a comment. We certainly do read all those. I, I think uh, letting Tua cook so everyone can eat really evolved from that. So, so hey, we like being involved with you guys. Everyone who listens to the show, if you're not, you really need to be following at Houts on Twitter. And Josh, I'm going to tell you right now, my New Year's resolution is to get my Twitter at right. So if you want to follow me for my, you know, a couple dumb or corny jokes, I'm at jmendel94. But guys, like I said, thank you so much for listening. We are so, 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 so looking forward for the opportunity to talk about the playoffs next week, Josh. And, and you know, I, I apologized early that we might go a little long. If we're in the playoffs, man, next week we're going to have a couple long shows. Absolutely. It'll be like a three-parter or something, but let Tua Cook guys not, you know, literally, but go up there and take care of business. And I think we will be talking about a Dolphin playoff game next week, man. So it's been exciting. Happy New Year, everyone. Again, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe, leave us that rating, follow Jake on Twitter, jmendel, J-M-E-N-D-E-L 94. I'm at Houts for Finsider Radio, guys, the Jake and Josh show. Fins up. We'll talk to you next week. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're the Miami Dolphins.